Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And we are shaking our gree-gree. I have the raccoon bones. I have the kangaroo sack. Okay. Hop, hop. I said a hip hop. Hippity, sorry. I'm going to have it in my head the I whole know. That, day. That's the one you said Look what it. you just did. Uh, I love that little grandma on The Wedding Singer. She's so cute. This is not what the case is about today, though. But It's we, not about a little grandma? It's not. Oh, well, No. Okay. I, I don't know why I I don't know. Like I don't even that. know what I'm bringing you today. Because <laughs> she does get older. I will. People guys, do that. I am if they going live. to tell you that <laughs> I sat here and stared at this script and convinced myself that we had already recorded this episode. Okay. And I was looking for the audio file. Yeah, okay, like, Megan, why haven't like, I played ex- it? Exactly. Like, I know we recorded this. Where's the audio file? I looked in all of our places. I'm like, we haven't released it to anybody. And I realized what happened was that when I was writing this, I was vividly picturing us recording this so much that it felt like a memory. So what you're telling me is I am in your head all the, all time, the time to the point where I you can hear my banter as you're typing. Yes. Yeah. And I think I have some of your banter written in here. I do the like same thing when I'm working on the case. Your banter. Yes. I write like Charnel or Nell before I say something that I know you're going to have a comment to. Yes. And it's pretty accurate. And I think that's why I did that with this one. And I think that that's why it feels like I already recorded it. Well, but we, anyway. We are one organism. We are sometimes. All right. So this is the case of Martha Rendell. Definitely have not covered this, Charnel. Okay. I'm so glad to hear that, that you... I don't recall this name. Because I would hate to do this a second time and then have listeners be like, are you guys at 223 episodes in, you really can't remember everything that you've covered? No. The answer is no. And you might get a completely different case. If we were to pick an old one and redo it now, you may get something completely different. You You never know what I'm going to come up with. You know, y'all, give me your feedback on that concept because uh, very soon I do want to start redoing the very beginning ones when our audio quality wasn't as good. So for new people, when they come in, if they start with episode one, I don't want them to be like, well, this podcast is shitty. It's terrible. They're doing this in their mom's basement. Yeah, for sure. No offense to those of you that live in your mom's basement. But it is 100% what it sounded like. Um, It was was the echo of mother's past that was (laughs) happening uh, in those cheapy microphones. So we've since upgraded. So I I do want to redo those. And I'd like Megan perspective on them as well. So that's that's going to be um, in the near future. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Anyway, back to old Martha, Martha. which is why the grandma thing popped in my head. Because for some reason- Martha's a grandma name. It, it is. In my generation, it's just a little bit older. Beautiful name. Just little little older. Biblical name. And this is a little bit, um, not a little bit. It is an older timey case. Now, I know some listeners don't love an old timey case. But Megan does. And sometimes it's all about me. That's right. And when I write stuff, sometimes I just know what you're going to love. Okay. 
And really, this is a case of a woman hanged <gasps> in old-timey days, and okay. she wasn't even being accused of being a witch. I was just going to ask, is this a Salem case? No. Okay. No. What is our time frame here? Mm, we're in the 1800s. We do go into the 1900s. Okay, though. so late 1800s. Yeah, so Martha Rendell, she was born August 10th, 1871. And this is actually an Australian case. She was born and raised in Adelaide. Sorry. Adelaide. Adelaide. I, I think maybe. it's right. I don't have a beautiful Australian accent. Kangaroo so sack Jason. Yeah. Let us know. Let me know. I'm sure I butchered that. But the, we're going to have to do some super sleuthing here to make a determination of if the courts got this one right or not. Oh, you know okay. I love to let you know that. I know. That's why I picked it for Judge Megan. All right. She was born in 1871. We know that her childhood was probably not the cleanest, most sanitary of childhoods. Right. Like everybody back in 1871. They're That's just it. doing the best they can. But Martha, as a teen, was a black sheep of society. Not just her family. She would have been deemed the black sheep of society. She right going to sex work? From mm-hmm, her That's, early life. Yep. Yep. She left home early in life from the womanly ideals of her day, all right? So she left at the age of 16 in 1887, and she proceeded to take on lovers. Yeah, because usually at 16, you're getting married off. Yes. Time to start getting babies out. And she wasn't, so she just needed to use her womanly skills for survival. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she took some lovers. Well, it's what it says, and it doesn't say that she swapped you know, favors for monetary means. But if we read between the 1887 lines here, (laughs) I'm going to say that's probably how she survived. And that's all right. And did it list a career? Well, after that, it did not. In her teens? No. Then again, I think it's a fair assumption and we'll just be wrong if we're wrong. Plus, I have a little more evidence to support our theory. I do love it when you give me hard evidence. Well, she bears three illegitimate children. Yep, that should do it. <laughs> so, she got multiple baby daddies. She was clearly born about 100, 100 years too soon yeah. for that sort of thing. She was. So this There wasn't as much free love in 1870 no. as there was in 1970. 19. Right. Exactly. So that's what I meant by society of the time would have deemed her the black sheep. All right. Now, she did find work in a well-to-do Perth residence as a domestic servant, um, but she was a domestic servant with the right to vote, which was granted to women in Western Australia in 1899. Okay. Fun fact. I love it. Trivia fact right there for you, Megan. I know you memorize that shit. I will. I won't ever forget it now. In Australia, when were women granted the right to vote? 1899. (laughs) I'm not going to be that good. I'd be like the late 1800s because I can't remember specific (laughs) dates. So... Because this one time, this lady named Martha, who was a house servant at the time and had illegitimate children. That's what I'll that's, remember. That's how I know. But do you remember Martha? Right. She could vote. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I'm super fun on trivia night. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, thanks, Cliff Clavin. Can we move on now? <laughs> uh, so it's kind of looking like Martha, she's going to be okay because she can vote. She's a domestic servant. She's supporting her illegitimate children. It's fine. It's fine, not find. I mean, how Did you ever watch that episode of Friends where Monica was so stuffed up that every time she said fine, it she came ended out with find? It. Yes, yeah. I remember it. That's what I just reminded myself of. Anywho, we digress. 
things get even a little bit more scandalous for old Martha because she meets a man. A married man. It's always a fucking married man. It is. Always. When you meet up, just... When you meet a man, just don't meet a man, right? Because <laughs> they are married. Every last one of them. And then I need to know if you have a hall pass. Right. A what kind? Yeah. from your wife. Yep. Martha didn't ask for that. Instead, no. she just looked at old Thomas Morris in the eyes and what was probably a handlebar mustache and said, I am adoring you because it seems as though you bathe more than once a week. <laughs> Maybe twice. So they begin a love affair. The music sounded, the champagne popped off, as did the zipper on Thomas's pants. Apparently. Oh my God, Chanel. Because <laughs> it was love at first sight. I Megan. don't think they had zippers, they were all buttons. Good catch. Thank you. Good catch. How dare I? It's okay. It's okay. It was buttons. I was not the in work, the era. The work you had to put in to unbutton in a man's pants. You better hoped it was worth it by the time you got to the bottom of them buttons. However, my theory of Thomas's pants becoming unbuttoned that easy is a lot easier with a button than it would be a zipper. I mean, there's less chance for injury. Yes. Yes, there is. Zippers bite. They do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that, but some guy told me about it once. Yeah, and I've seen that the movie. It would, right, right. Oh, yes. It is in a movie. Ben Stiller. It's not a porn. No, so you know. no, not unless Ben Stiller does porn, which you. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say maybe in his early years. I'm just no, kidding. No, thanks. We're not starting rumors not here. Not interested. No, no. That's a hard no. No pun intended. Yeah, it is. Um, so here, Thomas and Martha, they start themselves a whirlwind romance. And I'm not sure when it came up in conversation. Okay. But old Thomas has got, is, as you predicted, married. Do you want to take a guess on how many kids he has spit out? Well, his wife has spit out on account of him. Six. Oh, she's so close. Seven? Keep going. Dude, ten? Nine. Nine. Yes, Megan. Nine. Oh, his poor wife. So here Martha is falling in love with Handlebar Mustache. And I'm going to say he didn't lead with Hey, when she said, what's your number? I'm sure he didn't say nine. Right. I have nine children and a wife at home. Yeah, no, no. He was probably like, I am free range, baby. Here's the other thing. There's another thing. Well, Thomas and his wife that has bore nine of his children to him, ungrateful swine, they can't get a divorce because it's basically illegal at this time. Okay. As a matter of fact, there was a public meeting in Perth in 1901 where speakers were opposing a proposed federal divorce bill. Okay. Now, the people that were opposing it were staunchly uh, reasserted Christian, you know, people that were saying that Christian marriage is the foundation of the state and the welfare of its citizens and their happiness and prosperity lies solely on a marriage contract. Bible didn't even say that. Sure didn't. The Bible did not promise that marriage would be a happy. No, it gave you ways out even. Thing. Interesting. Uh-huh. So she knew uh, Handlebar Mustache's wife knew about the affairs? I do not know okay. if she But we at least know that he was in like the beginning. There's we, no way out. We'll get to it that she most certainly finds out. Okay. But in the beginning, I do not know. I'm suspecting old Martha 
It's probably not the first lady's skirt he had seen up. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. so. I would be surprised if he didn't have more than nine kids running around. These were just the legitimate ones. That's a good point. These yeah. were the ones born through the marriage. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. The reason that Perth was so opposing to um, allow allowing divorce is because if they made divorce possible and easier, it would open up the floodgates to adultery and orphaned children and that the state must protect the family, punish severely all transgressions, and assist the injured. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So divorce is off the table. Because although the times are becoming a little bit more progressive, we're kind of starting to understand that maybe we shouldn't force people that don't want to stay together to be together because maybe it doesn't lead to happiness and prosperity. Oh, because then they find other ways out. Right. But I found it ironic that they were like, if you make divorce easier, then this is going to open up the floodgates to adultery and orphan children. Hello. They're still doing those things. Yep. It's not stopping those things. No, they're just staying married because they yes. can't have a piece of paper that says they're not. Exactly. So they're just on paper married but living in separate households. This is how it ended up that men just ran off for a pack of cigarettes and never mm-hmm. showed back up at home. Mm-hmm. That's that's how. Yeah. So the only realistic alternative to a divorce was de facto living. That's what it was called. So you could legally live apart. You could. It was in secret, though, since the arrangement was universally condemned as immoral. It's immoral to not it's, it's immoral. live together? It's immoral to be de facto. Okay. So if you're going to live de facto, that means that you tell all your neighbors that these children do, in fact, belong to you and that you are married. You just don't See? come here to sleep. No. You're picking up what I'm putting down? I am. You can live de facto. Okay. As long as you're still pretending to be one big happy freaking family. Nobody pay attention to the fact that I'm going to leave here at midnight and I'm going to sneak back in at 6 a.m. the next day. (laughs) No, no. Living de facto means like he can move out and live with his mistress. He can take his kids with him. But you just tell everybody that that mistress is the wife. Oh, my God. And the mother of these babies. Okay. That's how you live But what about your other wife? Well, how does she explain to the neighbors where the kids that daddy's went? gone and he took the kids, right? Some of them sometimes in this if case. they decide to take the kids. right, right, right. It, it all has to be decided upon, you know, with them in de facto living. Well, I think that with his, you know, scandalous ass, you just tell people we're de facto. He defected. <laughs> He's out. He defected on me. He went out for the pack. Yeah. Didn't come didn't back. Come back. Right. So it's a sin to divorce. And who are we to go against the sky daddy's word? So here we are. Word. It was not Sky Daddy's word. That was government. Agreed. That was government I'm, interpreting. I'm a very spiritual person. I, I know agree. you are. I I'm agree. just saying these are, again, <laughs> I'm from the government. I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> and let me we, interpret God's word for you. We can always make it worse. Uh, always. Always. Martha and Thomas want to be together. The only way they can do it is for Thomas to go de facto, which um, he does. All right. Oh, that must be love. Yep. And so we just, this is our way of keeping up with the old timey Joneses. Okay. It's juicy though. It, it I is. bet it didn't happen a lot. I, yeah, I know. I do. It does. I really don't. Hold on though. It does make me wonder how many times it did happen and how many times have last names been changed that shouldn't have been. Right, that weren't like legally on paper. If you think about it, oh. like all of Martha's kids could have potentially absorbed Thomas's last name. 
as Morris, but they're not really a Morris, but we can't tell anybody. I think our whole lineage is just made up. I I have nothing to say. I know. I know. Mind blown. None of us kind really of. are. Maybe that's just in Australia. I bet it isn't. <laughs> Do you even know your last name, Kangaroo Sack Jason? <laughs> Do you? Is the is it your real last name that we see on Facebook? It might not be. <laughs> it might not be. Uh, so in April of 1906, after nearly 10 years of waiting, Martha finally achieves her long-awaited dream when Thomas Morris, his marriage breaks down and the couple separates and Thomas goes de facto. They were together for 10 years before he did that, though? Yes. I have to think that Mrs. Morris probably knew, but she was probably like, well, at least he's staying off me because I'm only having ten, nine of his babies. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if I was in her position. Find a different hill to climb, yeah. mustache. Right. Thomas Morris was granted custody of his five youngest children. Weird. I don't I don't like it. I think I know why. Okay. I'm. This is just theory. This is not fact that I found, but I believe that it was because it would be easier because he knew he was leaving his wife for Martha. And so it would be easier for him to convince the younger children that Martha is mommy because they do, they are instructed to call Martha mommy and it would be easier to live de facto without all of, without society knowing with the younger kids. And frankly, since they had nine kids, some of the kids might have even been old enough. They were already out, sure. you know, married on their own and whatnot. We mm-hmm. ha- we haven't caused, they haven't caused any childhood trauma with any of this. Oh, I'm certain none. none. I'm sure all of these kids will grow up just fine with no mommy issues at all. I'm sure to this day, none of their ancestors are still holding on to any of that negative energy that came up I'm, during this I'm, time. I'm not loving what you're telling me so far uh, in this story. And we haven't even got to any murder. No, no. So just wait. <laughs> All right. So the lovers set up Sometimes a home. after a long, stressful day at work, I like to come to podcast with Charnel so she can stress me the fuck out more. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. We have a, such a loving relationship. We do. We really do. We do. Uh, Make so me stressed, baby. Here Make me are. need a Xanax. <laughs> yeah, what do you got for me? On a scale of gummy to Xanax, where are we at, Charnel? All right. I know. Um, they moved to a rundown cottage in East Perth where nobody knew their name. This is not like the Cheers bar. Okay. No one knew Thomas Morris and Martha, anything. Okay. It's our second Cheers reference during this podcast so far. I clipped Clavin You're myself right. earlier. You did. Oh. I put it in your head. Where, you did. Please continue. And you know what, though? that I literally wrote that down in my notes. It's like I knew I feel you. The, what was going to happen. Oh, our synergy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Is it like listening to us make love every time you guys listen our to voices. this podcast? It's our voices, right? <laughs> if only you could we're, see what we were doing. We're, just one, we're one person, you know, it's like our vibes are making love. And everyone just shut us off. So That's for the right. three of you that are still listening. All men. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it was easy for them with their, you know, five little hatchings, hatchlings in tow. Now, here's what's interesting. Martha... At this time, when she can finally get the love of her life, she leaves her three children. With whom? She abandons them just to people. Well, because how would you I explain not, it? Right. I could not find if this was family, if this was um, any sort of barbaric foster system. 
friends of the family. I'm not sure. She probably dropped them off it at just, an old timing orphanage. It literally like said Peter she Pan. abandoned them. So they're not her three illegitimate children are not coming with her. So yes, no trauma has happened in this case yet, right, Megan? Yeah. I just like how we trade off kids. These I are know. your new kids. They're going to call you mommy. Yep. And you need to get rid of your old and kids. And you need to get rid of your, your other ones. I know. Okay. So I they're know. abandoned. This was a delusional time. I see. I think. Yep. They do. They live like this. And it's not long before there are some issues. You know, the older kids of the five don't love calling Mar- Mom- Martha mommy. But. I don't know. I'm, it's this, bothering me. And they know they have a mom. It's not like there's visitation. Like he gets custody. Does she, do they get to see their other mom? We get to that. Okay. Because I wondered that too. So I went digging for that. Thank but you. But they just live like this. And we're in a time where private family things like this happen behind closed doors. You asked me earlier if this happened a lot. In this particular time, in society and in the place in the world in Australia. There had been many upheavals in marriages be- and separations because of the gold rushes. Okay. And so many had undetermined like amount of marriages. The the gold rush and like leaving to become a minor not only did it create widows, but it also just created enough separation that they found other lovers. You Whole know, new families. Yes. It's a long yep. way to travel, so they just never come back home. Yeah. I'm married with kids at home, but I went and traveled this way, and, and I'm now, just not going to go back there. Right. I'm going to get a new family. And now I have kids here, too. It, it wasn't so abnormal, but it's still scandalous and immoral. In Perth, de facto couples were able to play out the semblance of respectability safe from prying friends and family back home and in because they were cloaked in city life, right? In like being a nobody in the city life. So Perth is a good place for them. So Small here, fish, big pond. Right. Martha Rendell's new home of East Perth, East Perth was an ideal place being um, peopled with, as this was described, peopled with transients and battlers who took little interest in their neighbor's doings. It's a rough neighborhood, in okay. other words. So they don't give a shit if daddy comes home with a new mommy and has five kids in tow, we keep Overnight. to ourselves. Yep, we keep to, to ourselves. And outwardly, they looked like a regular husband and wife with five kids, and they were able to pull this off for three years. After three years, Thomas's wife comes back into the children's lives after the older four children had aged out of the home. Right, and so she's so, an empty nester now, and yep. she wants her babies. So she moved just a few blocks away from the happy couple. Can I tell you how much I love that? I do, too. Like, honey, I'm home, just a few doors down. I mean, it can't be comfortable. No. Well, I need to tell you that my ex moved in three houses down. Right. She doesn't have the kids anymore, and she wants them back. She sure does. And she's going to ruin our picture here that yeah, we painted. she certainly does, because now the townspeople, they know the truth, that Thomas and Martha are naughty little piggies. They're de facto. They sure are. Well, so picture it. I'm sure shade is being thrown, but life went on. Okay. In the little East Perth cottage, until April 1907, the four youngest children, Olive, Annie, George, and Arthur, were between the ages of five and 14. And in April 1907, they were, they actually had um, diphtheria (gasps) during a citywide epidemic. Okay. All right. The demands on Martha for nursing four children were 
exaggerated by the terrible rasping sounds that was coming out of her because she was also really sick as well. All of her, all of the children also had this mm, struggle to breathe, life-threatening danger, really. But this is not unusual for diphtheria. There is like this throat membrane that goes throughout the whole body and it poisons you and makes you breathe and sound like that, all right? The other thing is, is that there's a family doctor, James Cuthbert, visited regularly and, and com, uh, commended Martha for her devotion in nursing the children to recovery at the expense of her own health. Sure. This is very contagious. She did get sick too. Sickness seemed to have taken a hold on the family and soon nine-year-old Annie was back in bed with convulsions, vomiting, and diarrhea for which the doctor administered the, the diphtheria antitoxin and prescribed tinctures of laudanum to ease her pain. I think that was the very beginning of the advent of the DTaP vaccine, which mm. is your diphtheria, diphtheria. Uh, is it tetanus or tuberculosis and pertussis. Per- yep, exactly. Yep. Now, here's the thing. Annie tragically, and she was nine, she tragically dies, dies in a delirium on July 28, 1907. Now, the illnesses began at 19, April, April. She died in July, all right? And this was a citywide epidemic. It wasn't just this family. So there were losses. Yep, yep. The cause of death given by Dr. uh, Cuthbert um, was epilepsy and cardiac weakness. The cardiac weakness makes sense for the time, but epilepsy? I wondered that too. because of the convulsions, that's all I could think oh, of. Oh, they may have considered all seizures epilepsy. I imagine. Different I imagine. than our current diagnosis. Because. But where was pertussis in there? Like, don't you feel like that should have been a cause of death or even like a secondary? They may not diphtheria? have done secondary. Yeah, I meant, I didn't yeah. mean pertussis. I, I was meant like, diphtheria. shit, I don't know. Did she have pertussis? No, no I'm, um, yes, I was channeling it. it was, well, no, no, diphtheria. She originally got sick in April when uh, diphtheria was going through the city. Okay. And then she was put back in bed. Like she got sick again with convulsions, vomiting, and diarrhea. And so that's why, because some time had passed why they yeah. went with epilepsy and cardiac weakness, but most certainly could have still been stemming from the diphtheria that she had back in April as that toxin stays in, can stay in your body. In August, just when life seemed to be returning back to normal, now this was July 28th that Annie died, Olive, George, and Arthur were diagnosed with typhoid fever. Now they have typhoid. Now they have typhoid. Is this also epidemic at this point? Uh, it's 1907. They just pick an epidemic so, whenever right, it came right. through the city in I a mean, wave. It's just, it's all bad. Fair. Not sanitized. And and they live in a very poor, uh, rough area. Okay. Yeah. This time, Olive did not recover and suffering from vomiting, diarrhea, and an undiagnosed membranous condition of the throat, she died October 16th, 1907. These kids are being poisoned, Charnel. Well... This undiagnosed membranous condition of the throat still could be the diphtheria. These kids are being poisoned, Charnel. So, according to her death certificate, she died from a hemorrhage and typhoid. Okay. Because uh, they all did get typhoid. They were diagnosed with it. So, once again... Forgive the wo- me for not, like, completely trusting early 1900 autopsies. Oh. Just throwing that oh. out there. Do you feel like the science may have been off? 
That's odd. I feel like there was a lot more guessing that happened then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And taken as scientific fact. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Once again, the local Methodist church members joined in mourning the family's loss. Now, this, I will tell you, this all is coming at a time when health officials were promising mothers no more infant deaths, okay? Because they're in, as a society, in an uproar about the evidence of essentially like you're lucky if you make it out of your first year of life. Okay, and so health officials are like, we're going to make pregnancy better and and deliveries. Infant mortality. Yes, yes. Um, you know, deliveries better, all of this stuff. They know also what's coming through from health officials is evidence of population decline, evidence of extreme poor health of their citizens. There's racial degeneration, moral deviance, all of that stuff. And it's all attributed to the rapid social change and urbanization of this time. More people are flocking to the big cities where it gets dirtier, you have more disease, you have higher death rates, infant mortality, and your population declines. All makes sense. It does. It does. And they're also having, you know, progressivists, I can't say that word, progressivists, coming forward saying, okay, we need to do some urban planning, some public health, some housing, education, and care of children in the home. I'm digging okay? those people. Right. Like, but this is, I'm get, setting the backdrop so that you understand that this is all happening at this same time where we know that disease is an issue and we know that humans being in close contact with one another is, is, increasing the death rate and the spread of disease and is the issue and yet here we are in Perth the leading exponent so the leading like doctor was Dr. John Cumston appointed from Melbourne in 1907 as a medical officer with the Central Board of Health in Western Australia all right Dr. John Cumston C-U-M-P-S-T-O-N got it in this role he addressed school children's health pulmonary disease amongst young uh, people, epidemiological studies, tuberculosis, diphtheria, quarantine, diet, housing, eugenics, like literally everything. So these tragic events of Martha were played out against the backdrop of shocking disclosures of infants, infant deaths in the Mitchell baby farming case that basically galvanized- Baby farming? Mm-hmm that galvanized Perth in early 1907 and shone a glaring spotlight on issues of surrogate, childcare, and immorality. Oh, baby farming. Yes. Well, that's a terrible name for surrogacy. Baby farming provided a service for working single mothers and deserted wives forced to leave babies and small children in care while they earned money to survive. They were selling babies. Giving them up for adoption to people who could not have them. Yep. Stories were rife of neglectful conditions, cruelty, and abuse in these premises. Reports alleged that 37 children had died at the Perth home run by Mrs. Alice Mitchell. Despite the requirement for inspections by the Board of Health and the fact of regular visits by local doctors who regularly signed death certificates but raised no concerns with the board, the presiding justice, his name was Macmillan, exonerated any of the blame on the doctor who recklessly signed numerous death certificates, okay, saying that it wasn't, essentially saying that the doctor wasn't, shouldn't be the one held accountable, even though 
he was the one that was constantly going in and signing death certificates in these places and never reporting the, the, the children, child deaths in these baby farming communities. Okay. Well, because that'd be a terrible stat for your infant mortality rate. It rates. really would. It really would. And so Mrs. Mitchell was sentenced to five years hard labor in the woman's division um, prison. And so I tell you this because this is all what happens to Martha is all happening at the same time that this Mitchell case is playing out in court. Okay. All right. And probably pretty popularly followed. Yeah. Through newspapers. Absolutely. Because it's like, oh my gosh, there's a baby farm and oh my gosh, there's abuse and there's death happening of small children at these places. And it was, it was just very, it was a lot for society at the time to take at the same time that health officials are like, this is, we have to have more sanit, you know, the spread of disease is happening because we need to have more sanitary conditions. Right. I mentioned that because the mention of the illegitimate children in the Mitchell, in the Mitchell case draws attention to issues of immorality in Perth. So women that of course, get the blunt of the blame, condemnation, surveillance of reproductive controls through contraception and and abortion escalated. Even women's readings choices were attacked. In 1907, the Western Australian newspaper alleged that popular romantic novels were corrupting women's morals. Oh, for Christ's sakes. I believe it. Yeah. Yep. I believe it. Look at what happens after you read Fifty Shades. It, you, yeah, right. You're gonna go off. And, oh my and gosh! Bang your husband. Sure can. <laughs> can you believe it? And also use sex toys. Oh my god, no! And you might get tied up a little, how, but only consensually. How corrupt is that? Okay, mm-hmm. so we must monitor these weak constitutions of females yes. in society in sure. order to stop baby yes. farms. Yes, the solution. I, I'm sorry, I just made the solution to the infant mortality rate and the unsanitary conditions and the health crisis is that we should take away women's rights to reproduction, essentially. And to read. And to read. Women's rights for anything. Because a man has nothing to do with how babies come into this world. Don't you know we do it all through our mind on our own? Okay. If only we could. (laughs) Right? It'd be less painful. It really would. So this um, is the I, I have a very good picture of the climate of the time then yes. that these events are occurring. I did also find too that a a ruffian like ch- ruffian is one of my favorite words I in lo- the whole world. I love ruffian, but this is a ruffian um, children's protective society. So like CPS was formed in 1906 by well-intended middle-class women to help families in crisis and to protect children from cruelty by interviewing parents, inspecting their homes, and then removing young young ones to the care of foster mothers. Just middle-class women band together they over tea one a day. Society, yes. Said we don't care what the government says, no. we're taking your babies. We're walking in here. They we're, were kidnapping. We are they sure were. <laughs> Under a society guise. Yes. Okay. They were interviewing parents, inspecting their homes. They were doing my it's job. It's like private agencies. Yes. No, I'm kidding. So I crazy. love some of our private agencies, but I'm, I'm I'm not kidding because it's kind of what they are. They made, they made their own. Um, but, you know, this answers the question of it had to start somewhere. Right. It started with nosy middle class women. That is how it started. 
The Karen Club. The Karens. The Karens got together and didn't like the I don't look like how you're Martha's raising home. these children. Right. We're going to take them now. Yes. I'm going to interview these people and I'm going to twist whatever they said into my own liking. And I'm going to give these babies to foster mothers who are probably mothers who struggle with reproduction of probably. their own and want. So they started their kids. own baby farm. Yes. You know, this could have been a situation where some kids were actually saved. Yeah. It also could have been a really corrupt institution, but mostly I'm just intrigued of what urban housewives can accomplish when they all get together with the same mindset. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they didn't even have any liquor involved that, that I'm aware of. That we know of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here we are just to, you know, I really wanted to like set that scene for you. Um, many women new to Perth were struggling to reestablish their families, often in the face of financial problems and difficult marriages. Um, in contrast to the other states, Western Australia was experience a, experiencing a baby boom, yet mothers were forced to basically bear even more children to build upon the nation because it's being spread that the population decline is so significant that they could possibly all die off. Mothers are also faced with growing interference in their marital, uh, excuse me, maternal role in the home as the progressivist doctors insisted that they be trained in scientific standards of child rearing, hygiene, and efficiency. Oh. Yep. We're coming after the mamas. We're coming after the mamas. (sighs) And you need to be scientifically trained on how to rear your children, how to be hygienic about it, and how to be most efficient because we need you to repopulate this state. Cleanly. Cleanly. You're going to need to pull your breeding permit. Do I feel like I'm reading a weird dystopian uh, sci-fi? I've read this sci-fi novel. Yeah, that is true. I I have. This is just some weird, yeah, attempted utopia that's going horribly wrong. Yep. Pretty soon the babies will be growing in plastic things up in, a, in the room and you'll drive through and like, I'm going to take a number eight, eight? and a number, number 40. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, we tried, we tried the glove on here in this society and it just didn't, it didn't work real well, okay. Megan. It really didn't. So Martha's happily ever after with Thomas Morris probably didn't feel like everything that he had promised her, I'm sure. They lived in a rundown cottage. Um, they were in poverty. And, of course, the daily grind of housework and then being solely in charge of the five resentful children. Now, the little... the little, Two of whom have died. Well, right. I'm just, like, painting the whole picture all together. Yeah. yeah, before they even die. The girls are a little too young for chores, and the big boys were outside doing jobs and going to school, so it all fell on Martha. Right. Then... Tragedy starts brewing for uh, again, essentially for the Morris children in June 1908. So they had two die in 1907, July and October of 1907. June 1908, Arthur was suffering from the same symptoms of vomiting diarrhea and that mysterious throat membrane (laughs) as Olive. And he dies in October. So just 12 months after Olive. One year later, Arthur dies. Now, on this occasion, doctors become suspicious and they conduct a partial autopsy and Martha insisted on being present for the autopsy. They were seeking evidence of irritant poisons in the throat. Yep. But halfway through, Martha stops the procedure. She later testified that she did this because she really felt like they had seen enough. 
Oh, sorry, Doc, you've seen enough? You've seen enough. <clears throat> this was well. used against her at her trial. It was being interpreted as a deliberate act to prevent discovery of Arthur's murder, but at the time, the doctors did agree to take no further action and did say that they had seen enough and listed um, an ulcer of the bowels, a hemorrhage, and cardiac failure as the cause of death. They agreed with her. She was like, I think you've seen enough. But and they're what like, caused yep, the we ulcer, have. Doc? We have. We've seen enough. Okay. So they did not make a report concerning the unusual situation where three grown children, I mean, we use the word grown, but they're not babies. They're because not at the time in Perth, doctors are basically telling the mothers that if you get your child through the first year of its life, you're golden. Right. You're fine. Here we have these three children that are all well over the age of one. And they're dying all within a space of 15 months of one another. Seven months of quiet follows Arthur's death. Who's next? And in May 1909, Martha, she her life begins to slide pretty out of control. And this is why. Because this is when the Morris's mama moves back into town. And three of her children have died. Which is why she moved <clears throat> back into right. town. Right. I just didn't tell you that in the beginning. This makes because, sense. Yes. She comes to say, what up, bitches? Why you, are my babies dead? Exactly. What is going and on? And there's two left. Mm -hmm. I want to know what's happening. Yep. The younger son, George, runs away to live with his mother. Good job, George. Mm -hmm. Safety first, buddy. Now, Thomas didn't know that he had ran away to his mom's house. So he calls the police. So the police get a hold of George. And this is where the world starts to unravel for Martha. They find out about the de facto marriage. Well, well the police do. They Yes, they learn about the de facto marriage. But also George tells them uh, that his stepmother had murdered his brother Arthur. And that Arthur had told him she was painting his throat with spirits of salt. Also known as hydrochloric, hydrochloric acid. acid. Oh yeah. my God. George complained that she had also served him bitter cups of tea that sent him fleeing to his mom's home in fear of his life. He claimed that his father was her accomplice and informed the police of the couple's immoral relationship and web of lies. Now, George is 13 at this point in time. Damn near an adult man. Yeah, yeah. With her secrets exposed to the world, Martha, Martha Rendell retreated into a shocked silence that she broke only once during the investigation in statements from her prison cell proclaiming her inner innocence. Meanwhile, the public is going crazy because we got ourselves a mama murderer. Right. And that just does not happen. Especially during these times that you're trying to prevent these wicked women mm -hmm. in their ways. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you, you use the word wicked because truly in the newspaper, it was like they created her persona as being the wicked stepmother from a fairy tale truly she kind of is um everyone immediately believes that the boy's claims are true all right and well, i'm not saying they're not i guess i kind of jumped to that conclusion too since i was going poison poison earlier right right if you look up the name martha rendell you will read short synopsis that she killed arthur and is suspected of killing olive and annie but they don't ever take into consideration anything else. 
like that the inquiry was hampered by the period of time that had elapsed since the deaths. And because doctors could not say what effect swabbing with spirits of salts would have, suspicions were further aroused when it was shown that Martha Rendell had purchased large quantities of spirits of salts during the time of the children's illnesses, but none since the last death. Armed with this information, the detectives obtained permission to exhume the bodies, and this was done July 3rd, 1909. So police exhumed the bodies of the three children, and diluted hydrochloric acid was found on the throat tissue. Here's the kick, though. This was a very common prescription prescribed for diphtheria and typhoid at the time. I was just going to ask if she accidentally killed them. Well, because what? this was a common Here's the thing. Every medication. time that those kids got sick, she called in the doctor. And the same doctor that is like the head of all these health warnings and whatnot had given her prescriptions like this, like just as he would his other patients to put this spirit of, you know, what was I calling Spirit it? of salt. Yes, the spirit of salt and all that stuff. All of those things. And it's never brought up later at the trial as like, could it be that she gave him too much and you guys just don't really know the right dosage given weight and all of that stuff? It's never brought up. Or long-term use of hydrochloric acid on moist membranes right. and the fact that they yep. found an ulcer on one of the kids Over and they time. may not have known that happened. Correct. Correct. Ooh, no, this is they're not. They're not putting any of that stuff together. The doctor is literally testifying that, yes, these are the prescriptions that I gave her. And, yes, we know that she bought, bought large amounts of hydrochloric acid. But as, she didn't attempt to hide it, and it was no, only, only during times of illness. Illness. And she had not bought any since the start of the kids' illnesses, had just he, like everybody else had been doing of the time. Who's our little fellow that ran off back home to mom? George. Had George been ill recently in that she was starting to use the um, salts on his throat again? George had, yes, she gave him tea and it tasted bitter and it freaked him out. And he he had not been sick. He had just known about Arthur. Arthur had told him before he died in October. Arthur thought he was being murdered. Yes. Arthur scared George, in other words based on the treatment that was not uncommon for the time and was prescribed by the doctor. But it's killing him. He's, yes. he's like knowing as he's being treated yes. for his illness that she's killing him. Yep. He's relaying this message to her brother who's like, new mom's a murderer. Yeah. And she could possibly be sitting over here going, I'm not a murderer. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. Which is exactly where she is sitting. Even though it's but killing also, you. Let's talk about the fact that George is 13 that he was taken away from his mother. We talked earlier about that childhood trauma. He doesn't love living with Martha and not getting to live with his mom. I get it. Right? And so you pair that with the fact that Arthur told him that she was painting the back of his throat. Then all of a sudden she serves him a cup of bitter tea and he starts to feel like, oh my God, this is starting to happen to me. So that's why he runs away to to his Mom. Yep. Yeah. This, like I said, this never comes up at her trial in terms of the fact that it's a very common prescription described for diphtheria and typhoid, which the doctor had diagnosed them with as their illnesses, not the cause of death, but their illnesses that started their trajectory to death. All right. 
Then a neighbor comes forward and said that he often peeked into the windows and saw Martha in front of a screaming child putting something down their throat. Also, I imagine when a child is sick, it's probably not easy to get something to coat the back of their throat with anything. Especially when it's acid and it hurts. Yeah, exactly. And you're and you already feel like shit. I, I took that as like, yeah, that probably did happen. No, but does this that all, mean maliciousness? No, this right. is concerning because I think all of those things are true, but we have to get to the mens rea of Martha. What was right. her intent? Right, exactly. I will say this too. Okay, I found it in a couple of citations that there, the neighbor also made claims that she seemed to be like rocking back and forth and pleasuring herself. Oh no, I don't but want that at all, Charnel. I, I, it was on Wikipedia, which you know I'm skeptical of anyway. But then I'm just like, I don't know. It almost sounded like the guy was saying when he peeked into the windows, sometimes he kind of saw her rocking back and forth. Like, was she kind of going crazy? I mean, was she significantly ill? She was at some points in time watching because she got diagnosed with um, mm-hmm. diphtheria as well. It just it just made me wonder. I, I just found it was on that she one. treating herself with acid? I, oh, oh, and having a trip? Well, no, this, the hydro, was a hydrochloric acid? Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, if she's treating, to me, that would go a lot to intent. If they're sick and she's treating the children with this, she should be treating herself with this as well when she's ill. And if she's not, that could go to some type of malice. I do not know if she I don't. I bet herself. no one knows. Yes, yes. Because she went silent. And you stated, right. Mace basically made one statement or something yeah, during yeah. her incarceration. I mean, yes, and she had said, yeah, exactly. That this is what I was told to do. This right. is what I was doing. She didn't try to hide it at all. No. Nope. I found that I'm just kind of leaving it out because I think that it just kind of some words from an observer got per- perverted over time. So there it is. But when the news hits, because of the fact that she's poor, living in sin, essentially, de facto, with a married man at the time, when essentially the, um, you know, the rich of the time are starting to form some kind of child protective services the doctors are starting to educate and require women of the household to raise children in more sanitary conditions. Martha went through a huge public trial before she was ever tried officially in court. Oh, yeah. And don't worry. The elite moms always Mm -hmm. have the lower class in Mm. their heart. At the center of their heart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we know better than the trust tale is oldest. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Then there's harsh prejudices about stepmothers that had survived for centuries regardless of their vital role in caring for motherless children. Yeah, right? because the story of uh, Cinderella has existed around that time in terms of, I think, Hans Christian Andersen, and it was Hans Christian Andersen, and it was a much uglier, scarier mm-hmm. tale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the other The slipper thing, was fur, by the way. See? Useless information. It was fur. It was. Yep. It was a fur slipper. Lost in translation to glass. You all love me. I love you too. Please continue. And this concludes our segment of useless trivia facts that Megan (laughs) knows on Crime Curious. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. (laughs) I do enjoy your random facts. I can't help it. But I do remember I I had heard that. So here's the thing. The doctors of Perth are above suspicion. Because remember, I had already told you about the Mitchell case when they were exonerated by the judge even though they were writing all those death certificates. So the poli- the um, the doctors are never a part of 
And this precedes civil medical malpractice. Right. They may not have had criminal intent with any of this either. They were committing malpractice. Yep. Oh, goodness. I just... Am I boring you? No. Okay. I don't know. That was... Oh, very... I've never yawned on air before. I That was... I'm not even presenting you with a story. (laughs) Oh, I'm just... Something needed to come out there. Martha? Is that (laughs) you? Is that you? It might be. It might. Honey, hold on. I'm trying to tell your story. Then they have during the trial. So we've talked about how, you know, how she was the me- the medical treatment, all of that stuff. They don't call the any witnesses in terms of like the legal the the doctors. Okay, to say what's going on. They also had some really weird signs, as you mentioned earlier, Megan. Of I just don't trust that you know sometimes their science was a lot of guessing. Yes. Well, that kind of happened here, too, because their forensic analysis did not produce any evidence of poisoning with uh, hydrochloric acid, nor did they know of its use in any other murder cases. They can't say. So can you commit murder by poisoning someone with a substance that there's no proof poisons poisons people people. and And kills them? And has never been used in any other murder cases. This is not a great case for the prosecution so far. And this is what the prosecution is saying, is that this is what she did. Yes. Yep. Yep. To explain their inability, prosecution's inability, to replicate the children's symptoms in experiments where they swabbed the throats of rabbits and guinea pigs with the acid, they resorted to preposterous explanations of Martha Randall's superhuman criminal capabilities to deceive. In other words, she's a woman, so she's deceptive. Jesus, hang she the is witch. beyond. Hang the witch. Yes, because truly. Hang Oh my um, God. We can't, we swabbed the back of rabbits and um, guinea pigs with this acid. It did not produce the same results of what happened with the kids. And so, and again, remember uh, diphtheria, what we talked about at the beginning, does there is like this mucus that coats the body when you're sick with it. Yeah. So I just, this whole thing. The defense had just one day in court devoted to to the couple's defense. Because remember, Thomas is on trial too because George made allegations against him too. George said that dad was her accomplice. Okay. All right. They had no witnesses to speak on their behalf. And of course, because of the way they were living de facto, it was shameful. So they're both facing charges of willful murder, which carried a mandatory death sentence. Thomas Morris was saved from the noose by the court's uh, inability, in other words, um, to distinguish, like, if his son was really telling the truth or not. So essentially, they were saying that his son would lie about their own father, knowing the consequence, the consequences and the court's gendered assumptions that, that Martha was the dominating perpetrator in the murders. Well, she did lure him away from a marriage she did. into a de facto, and we must blame the woman. Yes, yep, exactly. And so they believe that the sons would lie about Thomas because of all of that, but not about Martha. What the fuck? I have so many feelings right now. Well, this is the the there's other thing. No, that uh, there's saved not him. enough evidence to convict either one of oh, them. Oh no, no. But what saves Thomas is that his frequent absences, working away from the home, pointed the finger as Martha as the sole culprit. That is what they determined. 
Martha, Martha bore the brunt of the public prejudices and stereotypes, and Justice McMillan pronounced her a moral deformity to the all-male jury before a hostile, largely female audience then followed with, like, the, the female audience did not enjoy that that justice, that judge, said that right. about her. But he then, the um, all-male jury came back with a verdict of not guilty for Thomas Morris and a murder and a verdict of guilty with the death sentence for Martha Rendell. I knew it. And the jury didn't make any recommendation for mercy on her at all. It's just baffling to me. Like, I get that they know his frequent, he's showing up to work. He goes to work every day. He's not the one child, you know, rearing. No, there wasn't enough evidence, but there wasn't for her either. And, and this is in my opinion, based off of what you have presented me with, what you found, but she had already stood trial in the court of public opinion. Yes. This preceded any type of fair and impartial jury selection. Certainly either obviously preceded when women, women may have been able to vote, but could they serve as jurors yet? No. And if they, okay. And if they could, they obviously weren't able to select any women to serve on the no. jury. So this preceded then we, we don't have a fair and impartial finder effect no no period not, point not at all and it just really bothered me that they came to the conclusion that thomas's son would lie about him because they're upset that chosen a new wife yes yep but they would wouldn't think that they could possibly lie about martha too right yeah and i don't necessarily blame the the kid either because he probably felt like he was being abused and he may have been being ne- neglected at the time. We know child abuse and neglect had become an issue, especially with the, I'm assuming elite white rich women in yes. the area. Yes. And um, so I don't, I don't want to discredit what he's reporting, but there's just no proof. There's just no, no. evidence that she committed a murder. No, because they couldn't even, even with their, their crummy scientific analysis you know, they couldn't even replicate it on pi- on guinea pigs right so you have this it. defense that has an uphill battle they need to be able to have experts testify really that there's no way that this caused the death of the children right. there's no way to show it there's no way to hi- t- test the hypothesis the tests that hey, they have attempted have not come to fruition right. the, they have right. the animals haven't died no uh, or maybe even become ill Right. And no, my client was following um, uh, a common medical tactic that right. was used. She'd had prescriptions before. Put the doctors on the stand. Have them say, oh, yeah, well, I told her. But they were going to deny yeah, it, too, because were. doctors were kind of on, quote, unquote, trial at this point, too, right? Well, right. Well, they had been exonerated in the Mitchell case. They were, and but so, there were concerns. Yes. Yep. But they did not. I mean, and they, they were, were just all men guessing. As well, they were yep. guessing at medicine. Well, try this. And during the autopsies, because they exhumed the children's bodies and they did found small amounts of, of hydrochloric acid, which she was not denying. That's the only thing that she would say during the inquiry. It. Right. Like this is how I was treating them because I was told to. Right. Right. And so. Then you have all these other things that cause, you know, lots of rampant disease going on at the time. Oh, you know, just Ugh. to try it differently now to find, you know, 10 other women to come on mm-hmm. the stand or men and say, oh, yeah, this is how we were treating this. Also, this is what we were told by this doctor to do. And they just didn't know to do that stuff yep. or have the resources to do it. There were, I mean, she had some sympathizers, not many. Um, I didn't think I was going to like this woman, Charnel, when we started off, but never in a million years should she have received this conviction. No. 
And it had been 38 years since the last woman was hanged in Western Australia. And there was some heated debate on the issue of capital punishment in the lead up to her hanging, but few people really challenged the verdict. And Martha Rendell was hanged with haste, essentially, on October 6th, 1909, just 20 days after the guilty verdict was handed down. We didn't have appellate rights in Australia at that point in time. And it had only been seven weeks from the investigation that George started. That the, the, the son George, when he ran away to his mom, this and whole they thing the happened within seven weeks. Seven weeks, she you got guys. her speedy trial, but that doesn't always help when you have that much no. evidence or lack thereof. Literally, from it had been seven weeks from when George had been interviewed by the police to when they hanged her. The culture and hysteria of the time Ooh. surrounding um, women of loose morals and trying to save all the babies and increase population, she was made an example of. She was. Yeah, she was the third woman to be hanged in Western Australia, the only one to be executed for child murder, and the only woman ever to be hanged in a Fremantle prison. She uh, has continued to be condemned in history and public memory throughout the years. So people in Australia are not remembering this lady finally. She's a child no. murderer to them. Yeah, but we haven't, like, do you see how but you have to put all the, the evidence? Con- yeah, the whole context, Black the context hope. of the time. The uh, Yes, and from an evidentiary standpoint, how they're treating illness at this time, which is the whole, like, the whole backdrop of society. Is, is there a book on this? There's not, no. Um, oh, I want to write No, there is uh, a Supreme Court file, so I was able to take a lot of stuff from hearing you know oh transcripts Child. from thank you way back then yes yes as accurate as those could be yes from the early 1900s and a lovely girl is even preceding microfiche for sure yeah oh microfiche you gotta love i just that. like saying it. it's a wonderful word there was also a really great article um i made reference to i mean it's in the show notes but hannah uh Hybit did a um, a good article on it called Revisiting the Trial of Martha Rendell. And she is actually where I got the information about the baby farming. Yeah. And kind of the backdrop of society at the time. God, I'm so, so glad you did this. I'm just like, okay, so hold on. Because, you know, it gets you thinking about some of the ways that we treat illness and disease today. And just as a mom of four, I'm like, holy shit. Like, we just went through a pandemic, a pandemic, right? Yes. So like... What if we had been following medical experts' advice and then all of a sudden your kids die and you're accused of being, and I'm not saying, hell, I don't know, maybe life would have been easier for Martha if she had knocked off a couple of Thomas's kids because it was probably a hard life. Sure. But I'm just saying that the evidence does not equal hanging in this situation. It did seem within 15 months apart, we have three children that are, you know, nine um, gosh, what were all their ages? I, I am, I'm so sorry. Cause I don't a even teenager. know that I said all of their ages. Um, but they were grown, more grown children. They're adolescents. They were eight, They're, nine, these are not infants and, that and we're 11. speaking of. Right. And so like, I do get why this was a problem. Oh, yeah. She but may have totally killed him, Charnel. I just don't know what don't her know, intent is. But I don't know that she, re- I, I don't know. That she really well, what did. history of, if any, do we have that there had been any complaints of abuse or neglect prior to illnesses and being treated for them? None. My right. God, it's like, is it early Munchausen's by proxy? And right. um, Well, but, and if you want to go by this theory, so it was Olive and Annie, the two younger girls first. They're the ones that she primarily 
really has to take care of because the older boys are doing chores and whatnot. And so, and then it was Arthur. That's suspicious, right? Sure. But at the same token, the older boys aren't, um, you know, maybe because they're doing chores, they're doing physical exercise more, they're fighting off the disease better. I mean, all of them got sick, certainly, but it's just these three that died in a span of 15 months. And, and I mean, I don't know, especially after going through COVID, like I've read stories about COVID taking out whole families before months apart from each other. So we can't say that it couldn't have been a disease at the time. Right. So I just, and we've done all kinds of weird things to treat illnesses or children, you know, over years. Yes. I mean, I don't mean to offend whiskey it. on a uh, thank you. Baby. I was just gonna say I don't mean to offend anybody who still insists that whiskey on a teething baby works. No, it doesn't. Right, <laughs> it doesn't right. work. I'm sorry. There's no scientific proof to it, right. other than you want to get the your baby, baby a little bit drunk through the membranes on their, you know, that so they'll stop crying for a minute. And that's just I it. stop crying when I take a shot of whiskey too, Char. Yes, now me too, and as does my soul. <laughs> right, okay, exactly. It makes life on Earth just a little more tolerable. You're right. Get out the ambassol. Give them an eye. Give them ice in a a net so they don't choke. Yeah, it really calms my baby down and mellows them out, and then they sleep for hours. Yes, honey, that's the alcohol. They passed out. Correct. Right. I, too, have experienced such a remedy. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. So, so there it is. There's there's Martha Rendell. I definitely have not presented this case. Good. It was old-timey, but it was a serious old-timey case, and I liked it. And how many My cases brain is that working. are currently going on right now are going to be covered 100 years in the future by people? And they might they're just be. like, and Judge Megan got it so wrong. I'm how just kidding. They, probably. <laughs> and how did they not see this? Right, and, right. Yeah. And, oh, the science of the time. And oh, I just, it's, I have to keep that in perspective too. If, if I'm going to throw out the argument that, oh my gosh, how could they have not looked at society at the time? We also have to have that argument when we're looking at this and saying, Look at the times. Yeah. It was so easy to condemn a woman because right now women were under such scrutiny for being horrible mothers that were unsanitary and they needed a whole regime to come in and show them how to raise their children. Including taking away all their scandalous books. You may only read the Bible. Yes. King James Version. And stop stop spreading your legs and becoming pregnant and, you know, seducing all the innocent men in the world. The innocent married men. Yes, that's right. Right. The innocent married men. So that's that. And now are you ready for a brain bath? Yes, please. You should bathe me. Okay. This is from one of our Patreons, Amanda. And she actually emailed it. And the title of the email is, How Charnel and Megan Sent Me to the ER. No. Yes. This is true? This is true. Should I apologize before or after I hear this? Um... Both? Well, it's really not our fault. It is kind it's of really our fault. really your fault, isn't it? This is why someone, I was recently talking to a Patreon about how I do try to take out if the dogs bark. I try to find them in the um, audio so that I can delete them. And she was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. You know, no, this is why we do this. Okay. So um, she said, this is a funny story that you can use as a brain bath if you'd like. I really just had to share how you two lovely ladies sent me a 30-year-old to the UER, LOL. <laughs> I was listening to the podcast in my headphones while giving my two 60-pound dogs a bath in my tub. Well, naturally, after they had a bath, I had to shower. I thought I paused the pod and turned off my headphones. So I started showering, closed my eyes closed, rinsing my hair, 
when for some reason my phone decided to connect to my my son's new stupid ass shower speaker. <gasps> Out of nowhere, I hear Charnel and Megan's booming laughter blast into my shower. Naturally, my first thought was that I'm about to be murdered by some kind of crazy laughing serial killer. It's I, us. It is. <laughs> I whip around, got soap in my eyes, slip on the shower curtain, and fall into my tub. <laughs> I landed flat on my shoulder. After a profuse amount of cussing and severe pain, I can tell I dislocated my shoulder. Oh, my God. Well, now I'm in an even more of a predicament because I'm a paramedic and hell will freeze over before I call my coworkers to help my naked ass out of this tub. Word. I sit in the tub for a good five minutes contemplating my life decisions. Ooh, been there. Oh, been uh, yes. there. Finally, I crawl out of the tub and I call my best friend to help me get dressed to go to the ER. After a strong dose of pain meds and a pop back into place, I'm good as new. There is a bright side to this story. My best friend found this whole situa- situation hilarious and now is a new fan of Crime Curious. <laughs> Your misery is our blessing. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, she says, love you guys. P.S. Don't feel bad about the situation. I'm halfway convinced my teenage son set me up for this since he was recently grounded for missing curfew. But that is a case for another day. Keep it curious. <laughs> love it. I'm <laughs> so too. sorry you fell. Uh, and also, that would happen to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I may have said it before on the podcast, but I'm pretty convinced that if I accidentally die at home, it will be wrapped up in my shower curtain in the bathroom. That is a really good bet. Statistically speaking, that is when we're at our most vulnerable You're and naked. in the most most dangerous situation. But when I'm naked in my bed, I'm in control. When I'm naked in the shower, there are no. so many variables. Uh, there are. <laughs> There's ones that we just don't know about. No. The absolutely. other day, I, ex- I actually accidentally s- stepped on. I had forgot that my husband had got me one of those little scent things that you can kind of put in it, it um, in the, not directly in the stream, but you kind of set it yes. off to the side. It's and aromatherapy. It, aromatherapy. Yes. You can do the ones that are like for your cold too, that are like really yes. kind of Vicks or menthol, eucalyptus, whatever, but I yep. love them. Yes. I was, I've really been enjoying them. Well, I did have my eyes closed cause I was washing my hair and I stepped backwards onto one and that little bunker was slippery. <sighs> and I did have a brief panic panic moment of this is it. You're going to slip backwards, hit your head. And this is how your family is going to find you. Yes. Um, you know, with really expensive shampoo in your hair and that you didn't even get to wash out and have it do its job. Yeah. Um, Turn that's out. the most tragic for me is that the shampoo is so freaking expensive. <laughs> You're correct. I have those brief thoughts that that could be a potential death. The other one's probably going to be my high heels. I have got them. I have stepped on things. I've said, in fact, going up onto the bench the other day, I was wearing a a black robe that was a little bit longer than one I usually wear. And I was wearing very high heels and I totally stepped on it and thought I was going to like fall face first. First of all, everybody would have loved it in the audience. Absolutely. Also, I'm not one who gets embarrassed. So I probably would have popped right up like a jack in the box, but it could, but I, but it's very small back there. I would put my head through the wall. I could have died, Charnel. (laughs) Absolutely. I could have died. And that is not how, what the scene really how I want it to go out. the daily news we've got just a picture of your ass hanging out of the wall of your courtroom no oh rest in peace judge megan thank no, you no that's that's not how we want it want it to go down there are plenty of times in my life where i'm doing something stupid just the other night went to go change into my pajamas realized that i left all the clothes in the dryer said pajamas were in dryer so i go running racing down my stairs the boys were not home right racing down the stairs butt ass naked yep and of course, had this brief moment of like, if you don't make it down these stairs, 
this is how they find you at the bottom of your stairs. Nude and mangled. Sprawled. Yes. And it's just not Oh my God, with Miss look. Kitty hanging out and everything. Right, right. <laughs> not a good look. That's not how And when I you have bigger chests like we do, you know you're not going to fall in a position where they look good. There's going to be Never. one up over your shoulder yes. and one down to the side. Yep. It's not going to be a pretty it's not, picture. It's not going no to be No wonder flattering. she didn't call if she's a, she's a paramedic. Right. EMT. No. She's like, no, no. no. I've walked in on this situation before. Right. None of y'all are seeing me like this. Nope. And then I know what you say afterwards in the rig. Oh, the pictures no. that you needed to have for evidence. Right, right. That now are in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> or on my going away cake when I finally quit this damn job. Exactly. No. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much for hanging out with us today and for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And until next time. Keep it curious. Keep listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.